So welcome to today's podcast, where I'm joined by Richard Garvey from Acer Inbound, based over in America. Um, so Richard, welcome to the show. How are things in sunny America? Uh, they're sunny, but you know they're they're a little odd at the moment. But we're we're trending towards a, a better time, so things are looking up. So you, we, we in Scotland um, have just entered phase two of the exiting the the you know the COVID lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, what what stage are you guys at? Because I know you were based in New York, but you've got out of there. Obviously, yep. New York probably as bad as the UK in terms of, if not worse, that yeah. with the COVID things. So you've escaped to Jacksonville just now, but what's it looking like over there? Are you allowed to go out? What's the so, situation? Yeah, so I escaped New York uh, because that was in complete lockdown. We've come down to Florida, and now as soon as we got here last week, now the cases are ramping up in Florida, and things are starting to shut down again. So you know, it just seems to be following me around. So, but hopefully, it won't be too bad. So it's your fault. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, that's cool. So, for anyone who doesn't know or hasn't heard of you, because we've got a wide and wonderful audience all over the place, yep. um, can you give us a bit of a brief background of how long you've been doing? You know, how long's ACRN been bound about? Eh, been around for? How yep. long have you been around for in the industry? Just a brief background of what you've been up to. So Acer Inbound is pretty new. We launched uh, about 18 months ago. Uh, We've been growing since then. And I've been in the SEO world specifically for about five years and marketing a bit longer than that, maybe a decade. So I've been around a little bit. But once I started getting my my interest in SEO, things ramped up pretty quickly and uh, see how the fascinating world of everything involved here. So let me ask you one thing before we talk about um you know how you conduct your business and stuff so you've been in marketing for 10 years um you acer and you know you've been doing this seo thing for about five years mm-hmm. how did it work you know how did you actually become acer inbound did, did you just work in a marketing agency and say i'm going to do this alone or were you a freelance did you become a freelancer and then ended up having an agency the reason i'm asking is i love hearing how people ended up with yeah. an agency. Like I set out years ago and just ended up with an agency because I hired the sales guy, hired the content writer, and before I knew it, I was like, shit, I need to get an office. And then yeah. I had to get an accountant, and uh, it was fucking weird. So how did you, yeah. how, how did you enter it? So it was pretty organically. So I worked at a lot of small businesses. Uh, so the, the marketing budget was small. Uh, and then when they wanted to start getting articles and blogs written, we would start writing them. And then I discovered the world of SEO and how to get them to rank. And back then it was a little bit different. So you could have a little bit more tactics and strategies. And then I saw them, you know, working and getting the the keywords to the top of Google. And so, okay, that's, that's cool. And then uh, a few years ago, uh, the company shut down. I was with. I got laid off. So while I was searching for jobs, um, one of uh, my connections was like, "Hey, there's this uh, retail company that's looking for SEO," and I had written a guide about it. And then they said, "Would you be interested in, in working for them?" So you know, sure. And then so once I figured out there was a market for it, and I was like, you know, I'm going to try to help other companies. So I started getting some more connections and reaching out and helping some family businesses, and then. Like you mentioned, then it, then it became overwhelming. So I'm like, man, I need to you know hire someone else to do all this so I can focus on building the business and then building out the processes and then uh, the sales process, the marketing process, and and the SEO process, especially getting all that like a finely tuned engine. But uh, 
the the way we go about it, it's really that's one of the things I learned is that you can do a, a decent amount just by like the process and updating the titles, updating the metas, of making sure the keywords are in there. But you're going to hit a plateau and you're going to fall down if you don't really have uh, more of a, a customized strategy for everybody. So building out these specific pieces of content they need, uh, creating the, the content based on that value system. And then uh, so it's a little harder to scale, which I'm sure you've had... Uh, issues with that and, and you're seeing you know, I'm sure most people have uh, but we're, we're focused on creating high quality content which is uh, difficult to do so obviously that's us going to move on to the value part you know of giving people some information you have a very specific and I'm not going to say unique because I'm sure there's other people that do yeah. similar um, but most agencies um, don't use the same type of strategy as you um, you know, you are talking about value, you know, high value content and whatnot. A lot of agencies talk about it, but they don't actually do it. So mm-hmm. you know, what they're basically doing is trying to not offer value and take people's money as far as I'm concerned. And I get that as an agency, you've got overheads and shit and, you know, you're not really thinking about quality, but you are saying that you do the exact reverse in terms of strategy. Um, so can you talk to us a bit more about that? So if a new client comes to you, um, signs up in the dotted line, um, and you agree on something, you know, what you know, what are you doing differently from other agencies? I mean, I don't know if we're doing stuff differently from the good agencies. We're doing stuff different from the bad agencies mm-hmm. uh, as far as we're focusing on creating the content exactly what they need to, to build. So if it's a B2B company versus a retail company versus another you know, e-commerce company, the strategy is going to be different. So when we're looking at a B2B company, when, uh, for instance, one of my clients is in the marketing world, they're like a... Uh, a texting platform. So they need to create really high quality, like ultimate guides type thing. So, and that's just, if you're just push, pushing out, you know, blog post after blog post, they're not going to get any real traffic. They might see um, this, this results being put out like, okay, we're working. Uh, and that's what I feel like a lot of agencies do like, okay, let's just show them we're doing stuff. Uh, but mm-hmm. we don't really, we don't like to do that. So even if it's just one super high quality blog post per month, we would rather do that because we know it's going to end up generating real results versus just pushing out uh, all these different updates uh, and and getting these you know hidden backlinks somewhere on a blog post uh, that all these that Google's not even going to care about when you say hey we got you two hundred plus backlinks this this month but they don't mean anything so we focus on doing everything organically the right way uh, and the easiest way to build backlinks in that instance is, is creating the high quality content that people want to share. Uh, so we focus on having that connectivity with the client, making sure they're they're in the process the whole time. So we share the outline with them, we share the draft with them, we make sure they're intimately involved in the process. So everybody's happy in the end. We make sure that we understand their target audience too. So that's that involves talking to the CEO, talking to the sales team, making sure that we understand what they need so we can create that. So um, listen, I get it from your point of view. You know, we when I done clients, you know, sometimes we've done things to humor a client. You know, mm. sometimes the client would in their head see a KPI as being like five blog posts a month. That lets them think you're doing some real SEO work. When sometimes you're just doing it to humor them, and you're going yeah. after some long tail crappy keywords. So totally get what you're doing. Um, but in terms of you know the average Joe out there. Um, they're going to say, well, this guy, you know, he's creating high quality content, but what is 
high quality content. Can you go into telling us a bit about what that actually means? Because that could be a good video, an infographic, a combination of a big blog post with a video, with an infographic. You know, what do you determine as high impact content? You know, it's not surely like a just a 4,000 word blog post. There's more to mm-hmm. it than that, right? Yep. So tell us a bit about what you mean and what that content actually is, because for anyone watching, they'll say, oh, they, they, a lot of people just think that word content means text only. And mm-hmm. that, as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't. So yep. I would love to know, you know what your high quality content actually looks like. So once you've determined what keyword you want to go after, the type of content is based on what you, your research is. So my advice to someone, if they know what they want to go after, is Google it and then see what the top, top two, three, four, five search results are. And that gives you a really good indication of what type of content you need to create. Well, it gives you an exact indication of what content you need to create because Google is getting smarter and smarter. So it under, the way Google works is it's showing what people want to see to make the, the experience on Google as good as possible. So when you search something, they want the number one result to be exactly what you're looking for. And if it's not, if you if you click on something and you go back to Google, then it tells them that they maybe need to change the, the rankings a bit. So if you're searching for something and you have and you click on that number one result, that will give you a really good indication of what you need to build sort of as far as what what it looks like, what type of content it is. If you're searching for something and it's all blog posts or if it's all product posts or if it's all home pages, that gives you the, the insight about what type of content you need to create. So if it's a blog post, then you go into that blog post. And if it's if you're searching for something about, you know, how to build rockets or something, it's going to be or a lawyer or a law based post, it's going to be a lot more text than if you're looking yeah. at something that's like in the marketing world, where it's going to be a lot of visuals, a lot of infographics. So just seeing that and understanding what type of content you need to create, and then just doing it better than they're doing it is really your only way to, to rank above them. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, now, talking about, obviously, once you create that content, regardless of what structure that comes in, um, <clears throat> you know, everyone can release content and what they believe is good content. But I'd like to, you know, and obviously I know you can, you might want to not fully answer this, but can you give us some tips in terms of when you release content, is there a sequence of things that you do to make people like that, you know, like make it go viral, you know, is it like a case of publishing it, you know, then shoving it out to social media, then maybe doing some paid ads on it, then doing some, you know, various other things. What makes you get traction on a good piece of content over the average Joe? Because surely there's guys out there writing good content that doesn't get the traction you get. So it's, it's not just about the content. It's about the sequence of other things that you're doing in the background. Would they be right in saying that? Yeah, so there's a lot of people focus on that, and and that's how it actually throws a lot of people off when they when they write a piece of content and they push it out to their their email subscribers, they push it out to the social, they put it on Reddit, they put it on Quora, they share it with all their friends, and they see this big spike of traffic, and they go, "All right, good job, pat myself on the back, great blog post, on to the next one." But they've forgotten the first part, which is creating an awesome piece of content that's going to rank long term. So you have mm-hmm. to think about both strategies. And absolutely, you want to push it out to your any any existing user base you have. You want to push it out to them. So if you have a big email list, if you have a big social list, uh, if you don't have that, just just pushing out on social and and pushing out on to your Facebook group so your friends and family can see it. The the purpose for getting that initial burst of of 
users in that blog post is to generate the positive on-page experience and you can see and Google will see those metrics behind it. Now if you push it out to everybody and they and it's a 4000 word blog post and Google sees they're staying on the page for 10 seconds and leaving, they're not mm-hmm. going to there it's not going to go well. So you have to start with that foundation of having an awesome piece of content that people want to read that's interesting and that comes with the 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 full user experience. So if it's on Google, it means having a great title. It means having a great meta description that people want to click on. And then when it comes to the actual on page, when they click on it, it has to load quickly. Even if the best piece of content in the world, the best images, the best videos takes 10 seconds to load, you're going to lose over half your audience before they even have a chance to view it. So it needs to, to load quickly and it needs to look nice. So that comes down to, uh, again, understanding what type of content people are looking for, but Overall, in general, that means uh, having a lot of white space, having it be very readable, having don't have big chunks of text, having nice images in there and having nice images that actually add value to the piece. That's another thing that we really focus on. So I'll tell uh, the way it works is we, we write the outline, we write the content and then we write image recommendations to hand it off to the graphic designer. And then if I come in and see, you know, a sort of stock image or anything that doesn't add value to it, we pull it out. So the way our general rule of thumb is if you can look at all the images in a blog post and generally get a feeling of what it's about, then they're good images. If it's just a, you know, a stock of, of people in an office looking at a table or um, something generic like that, it's not going to add any value to the piece and people are going to drift right over it. It might break up the text a little bit, but it's not focused on creating that value. Yeah. No, that that makes a lot of sense. Now, one thing you did touch on is obviously the kind of user engagement. You know, if you've got a 4,000 word article and people bounce off it after 10 seconds, you know, it's not going to be a good sign for Google. And, I, you know, I'm a believer in user engagement, uh, you know, trying to keep people on there, having the right call to action, having, you know, obviously the right content to keep people on there. Um and that, you know, I'm a big believer that user engagement signals will become even more powerful going forward. Mm-hmm. But when you're releasing a great piece of content, you know, do you basically whack it all out to all of the, you know, your email list, social media, and everything else all at once? And if so, obviously you're going to see a massive spike in traffic, but it's then going to tail off. So, what do you do, or do you do anything after that? So, the aftermath of a great piece of content, you know. You know, obviously, you're going to have that massive spike because it's just out there, it's new, people are loving it, sharing it, and all that shit. But a month later, you know, that's going to start to drift out. What is there a process at that point where you say we need to keep people reading this, you know, keep the engagement signals going? And what is it you're doing? Do you just regurgitate that out in your social media again, or you know, what what is your event like after that? Well, that depends on on the user base of the client. So if they have a good email subscriber list, if they have a good social, we might repost it. But the big thing we do is we focus on building backlinks to that page. So for that long term growth. So whatever that article is about, we we do broken link building. We do um, just link reclamation stuff type stuff. So trying to get that uh, user signals built up for Google. So there's, there's more trust in it. So and if it's a good piece, people will link to it more. So if it's really we 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 put out a post and then you just have to let it um sort of see how how it plays out for a month or two months to see what rankings are coming in and then we look at search console to see what it's actually ranking for making sure it's the right thing that that we wanted to rank for 
And if it's not, sometimes we'll see it's ranking for something slightly different, and then we'll maybe re-optimize the piece again uh, to push for that. So it does take time. So you don't want to be going in there and changing it, uh, you know, every way, which way the wind blows. So uh, a big part of it is trying to build out consistent backlinks to not only the the homepage, but to that blog page specifically, uh, and then just giving it giving it some time. But you do also fine tune it as well. That that yeah. is important part now. Mm-hmm. One quick question I want to ask you about when you fine-tune it. Do you, and this is just a crappy question for me um, more than anything, so say this blog post was put out on the 1st of March mm-hmm. um, initially and it got great you know, it got great exposure and it was all working well, and then you go back in on the 1st of June and say, hmm, you know, I need to change a few things here. I'm going to add a little snippet to it as well because this is relevant to the page now. Do you then just click update or do you republish that as a new post you know uh, like- we just we just click update because we don't want to lose any of the the backlink authority that that post is generating mm-hmm. and that would create broken links if, if they people did link back to it so that's not a great experience even with a three uh, a redirect so we just keep it with the same uh the same url the same page and maybe have update in the title if, if it's a major update yeah no i was just curious to do that i mean obviously i don't when I'm doing SEO, I don't really have dates or anything in my, my titles, but sometimes I feel that if you change the published date to something newer, it gives it a little bit of an extra boost. And I was just curious to know if you felt that that was a thing. It might not be, by the way. It's just something that I mean, happens. Um, and it could be down to just simply updating the content, but we've all got our own weird quirks as well. Yeah. And sometimes you think that, you know, by changing that date, it may work. It's not going to do any real harm as long as you're not changing the URL, though. But I was yeah. just curious to get your feedback on that. So- I mean, that would make sense if it was some. It was a tech-based uh, article or something that's innovative, mm-hmm. so people would want to read something very, very recent. So I haven't really put too much thought about that, but maybe we will. Yeah, that's something worth thinking about. Um, it might not make a blind bit of difference, but one day we could maybe. Um, have another conversation saying, Craig, that f- really fucking worked, or yeah. we're full of shit. It <laughs> didn't make a blind bit of difference. Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, you're doing your content, you're building your links, um, and all of that kind of stuff. So, is that primarily what you do day to day for customers? Because obviously, Acer Inbound is an age, you know, people have an agency, but it could just be about the content. It could just be about the SEO. Is that a kind of main focus or do you do a wider range of digital services? No, we're just sticking with just uh, the SEO, so the on-page SEO and the content. So we we toyed around with the idea of, of offering different things, you know, on the paid side and, and marketing or uh, email marketing and all that stuff. But we decided we, re- at least in the first phase of, of our growth, we really want to focus on just SEO and just, just content. Uh, just to sort of solidify that, solidify that process, so it's you know down to a science, uh, and then once we have that, maybe maybe move on to the next thing. Um, now, without picking your brain and getting too much about the ins and outs of how you do your job, because obviously you can't give too much away, otherwise people will be doing it for themselves. That's um, all right. There's plenty of room for everybody. Go for it. But, but do you use any kind of on-page optimization tools like? Surfer SEO, POP, Cora. I'm just curious to know, in terms of your internal process, someone writes a piece of content, 
do they use anything else to kind of optimize that? Just, just you don't have to say, uh, but I'm just curious to know if you use anything like that. Yeah, the the most effective pieces of of software we use are Ahrefs uh, for all our research and backlinking uh, research uh, and keywords and all that stuff and tracking and and uh, and there and the biggest piece of content we use or, or software we use as far as the content side is a, a piece called Topic UseTopic.com. Um, and that gives you a full outline. It gives you the SEO recommendations. It gives you uh, a grade for for your uh, your piece based on uh, the keyword usage and, and the content, the length, and and all that good stuff. So we use that to create an, a really really thorough outline, and then from there uh, we focus on building out the the piece. And that it's it's flawed in some ways because it just bases on what's written in the content, picking up the keywords and making sure all the topics are covered. But so you, there's still a manual aspect of making sure they're covered well and covered thoroughly and make sure it's the right audience. And and those tools put together. So the keyword research from from Ahrefs and also analytics and, and search console and then topic to, to have that um, outline created are really, really helpful as far as building out that value-based content. Yeah, I've I've never heard the topic, uh, you know, off the you know that's a new one on me. But certainly, yeah, it's new. It's it's similar to Clear Scope. If you've heard of that, yeah, 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 I've heard of that. Yeah, there's that many different tools out there just now. It's it, uh, the reason I'm asking is we're all, you know, we always end up using different, set, you know, certain little tools. So mm-hmm. I always try and ask that question to see if there is something you're using that maybe I'm not and that I could be using. There's a, there's a new site that I, I just heard of recently called Exploding Topics. It's a it's a Brian Dean uh, product, which is pretty interesting. It shows all the different uh, categories and topics that are that are peaking at the moment uh, to see, you know, what what things you might want to be writing about. So that's an interesting tool I'm, I'm looking at that I just discovered uh, recently. Yeah, no, it's interesting, interesting stuff. So Focusing on what you do, making that a good, you know, solid agency, you know, specializing in something is something I think is a great idea. Um, but surely you've had issues along the way building up your agency. You know, what does your team look like? Is it all in-house people? Do you use remote workers? What What's your kind of overall setup like just now? So I use remote workers, but I use the same one. So I had to, in that initial phase of growing, I would I would reach out to freelancers and have all sorts of issues with them. So I cycled through about you know twenty different people until I found a few core people that I really really like and are really really excellent at their job. So uh, we have a lead SEO, we have someone a backlinking specialist who also helps with the SEO. We have a few content writers, um, which is also extremely difficult to find people that can write really good content. So we're, I'm, I'm thrilled with the ones we have in the moment. Uh, and then it's just me, uh, and, uh, a couple of other strategic partners. So we chose to work with other, with other businesses that, uh, help, uh, to sort of take some of the load off as well. Yeah. One thing I was going to say to you, um, and I think you've already established that, um, with what you just said, Finding good content writers is not an easy thing to do. Over my years of being an you know agency owner, and even now, you know, for you know affiliate projects or whatever, you know, or, or you know just projects that I get involved in, um, you know, I always have to find a good you know go out and find a good content writer, and yeah. you know tried everything from you know people in the Philippines, India, Eastern Europe. 
Um, I've used native English speakers who are just lazy. You know, I've tried US people. I've tried everything. Um, what I do, I actually find that works quite well is I'm finding a lot of good people from South Africa where the cost of living is relatively cheap mm -hmm. and native language is still English. Um, but have you got any tips for us in terms of how to, you know, because someone else could be starting out their journey listening to this saying, fucking hell, you know, give us a clue. Where the hell do you find a good writer? Because surely you've went through, given what you do, countless writers and had to fire them and looked at the content going, I can't believe I've had to time and pay for someone wanting me to pay for this. <laughs> yeah. So what, what, where can we go, um, you know, for new to this to, to cut out some of that bullshit, so to speak? So I think the, the best advice I would have on that which obviously it's like you mentioned, still learning, trying to find it. I don't know if there's any tried and true method is just create, uh, we, I use Upwork to find the writers, but just creating a super thorough outline of exactly what you're looking for uh, to sort of limit the amount of people that, that are interested in it. And then once you find a writer, um, providing a super in-depth outline, section by section, keywords that you want to include, topics you want to cover, maybe even recording a, a video about the piece of content to give them full um, insights about to what you're thinking, where you want to go, having them, giving them examples of this, the tone and the conversation. So putting in a lot of time in the outline uh, helps to at least guide the writer in the right direction and making sure they're they're going the right place. And then also when you find, when you're researching the writers, make sure you read some of their stuff um, or a good amount of their stuff. Make sure they've written in blogs before, making sure they've they've done the work and they've gotten results. And now that might be, and, you know, depending on your budget, spending more than you're comfortable with uh, probably, because when you go to those, those really uh, affordable writers, you're, you're going to run into trouble and you're probably going to have to end up rewriting the piece altogether. So if you have any room for the budget, it's, it's easier to invest a little bit more and get a better product and it saves you time and money in the long run. Yeah. Well, that was going to be the next question do you scrimp and scrape or do you take it on the chin and pay a little bit more is the question. You know, I keep hearing friends saying, oh, I've got this content writer and they're really cheap and they're doing it for like $8 for a thousand words. And I'm like, what? <laughs> where do you find these people? And they're like, it's amazing content. And I'm like, I don't know if they're just, you know, yanking my chain or, or you know, talking shit or whatever. But, um, yeah, I'm just curious to know because, you know, I, I'm a believer in I, I don't mind paying a little bit more. Um, if the quality's there, I found that over time. Obviously, as a businessman, we want things cheap so that we can make profit. Yeah. Uh, but I think sometimes you have to, especially where content's concerned, um, you know, invest a little bit um, a little bit more for, for that quality. And I think, obviously, having your process... Uh, right as well, you know, for giving the content writer the right instructions is also a key part of the process um, because <clears throat> other than that, you know, I've given people, I, I thought, you know, I'll get a content writer and, and, you know, they seem a normal human being and they seem to have common sense and then you get the content back and you're like, what? So I, there's a story actually. So we had this customer and he used to deliver alcohol to people's houses at night time. So if you were in a house party, you could literally phone this guy up and say, bring over four crates of bud, three bottles of wine and a bottle of vodka, deliver it to my house, and he'd be out within the hour. Um, mm. So 
we wanted to be found in a whole bunch of different areas surrounding where I stay. And uh, I said to the content writer, can you write some articles just as a test about alcohol delivery in Glasgow and all these kind of areas? Um, so she went away. She came back with an article and it said why you shouldn't drink in the street. Um, why alcohol um, you know, can kill your liver and all of these things in your life. <laughs> What what part of we just deliver this shit to your house, um, you know, do you not get it? And she's like, but it can't be that easy. And I'm like, it is that fucking easy. This guy <laughs> he doesn't want to quit drinking in the street. What the fuck? Um so I think sometimes when it comes to content, having that process that, that at that point I was like, these people are not getting it. They have to be given a fucking you know. They have to have their hand held, basically, and say, you have to write this, because this is all I want. It doesn't have to be rocket science. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, but as I say, it's like pulling teeth, finding good content writers are really... It, it, every, everyone I know says the same thing. So I was just curious um, what your setup looked like for that. Um, but, obviously, you're f- five, five years into uh, SEO, how long yep. has Eight Inbound been around for? Uh, about eight, 18 months, I think, yeah. 18 months. And so it, it, you, you said there, you know, you want to focus on content and, and doing that kind of stuff. Is it only Americans you deal with or do you deal with clients all over the world? Um, right now, it's only American-based companies that we work with, but uh, we're not we're not limiting ourselves to that. That's just sort of how the the how it's panned out so far. Um, but I was just curious. Again, other people will be watching. Will be like, you does he work in a niche, or you know, can anyone come to you at all? Does it matter what the niche is, or are you a uh, in a niche? Uh, no, we have we don't have a niche. So you know that topic has been thrown around. Whether or not we're we're considering that, uh, we found that that B two B companies are probably the most effective ones to work with, and and retail and. Uh, is is a little bit more more challenging, but we do that as well. Um, what are what are your thoughts about uh, sticking to one specific niche? Um, I think you're better becoming a specialist in like content and stuff. I wouldn't yeah. be sticking to only doing it for lawyers or something like that because mm-hmm. I think you know, although lawyers are probably a good niche to get into. Uh, you would be boring for your staff yeah. as well. You just like yeah. you need a bit of um, you know brain stimulation and finding out about new stuff. So if someone came to you, you know, in some weird quirky niche, you'd be like, "Oh, we're we're learning something new." At least you've got that stimulation. So um, I think what you're doing as a business, you know, focusing on niching down on the service that you offer is a great thing. But mm-hmm. I, would, I certainly wouldn't be niching down down and certainly the types of clients I was working with, I think that would be suicide. Your, your clients would be you know, pulling their hair eh, Sorry, your staff would be pulling their hair out yeah. uh, after a while, I think, of just doing that. But I've seen you know <coughs> people that have been relatively successful with it as well. They only specialise in you know dentistry, SEO or whatever, and they make a lot of money. So I am... Um, but nah, I think you, you've got to think of the overall bigger picture and you know people's mental health and st- stuff like that. If you were yeah. right about dentists all day, every day, I think your cl- uh, cu- sorry, 
Um, your staff retention rate would be horrendous. Um, yeah, that's actually it's funny you mentioned that because that's exactly what uh, we were we were considering and thinking about, and I and we were thinking about you know maybe dentists, but then I was I came to the same conclusion like man that'd be that'd be boring. I don't yeah. want to do that. Yeah, <laughs> you're doing it, and you're doing it for a dentist in Jacksonville, then one in New York. It's the same shit, you know, teeth whitening, you know, whatever. I couldn't do it. Um, I, and I would feel sorry for anyone else who was fully focused on it. But, um, you know, that's just a personal opinion. I'm sure it is still a great business model, but um, yeah. nah, I wouldn't niche down. And I think also for yourself, opportunities sometimes arise from dealing with clients, you know. So if you're open to dealing with any type of client, you may get another opportunity or another thing in another industry that you weren't even thinking about. So, um, yeah, I think it's you'd need to be careful not to close yourself down too quickly um but other than that uh you know what you're doing you've done that for the last 18 months what what are, what are the future plans other than doing a bit more of what you're doing do you go to networking events do you you know do you, where, where would people find you or are you the quiet guy that never goes out do you ever go to networking events at all well, I mean, I, I intended to, but then the world sort of shut down. So those have been all, uh, off the grid for a while. But yeah, right now we're, we're sort of exploring all these different options. We're building, obviously, organically because that's what we do. So we're building on the, out the website. Uh, I would We're focused on building also maybe a learning center, a resource center, maybe some courses like you've created. So I'd be really interested to hear more about that and sort of what your thoughts were in that model. Um, I mean, courses is a great thing, um, certainly to, to, you know, for revenue, you can charge people for them. Um, certainly exposure, again, you know, uh, there's nothing like good, good exposure. If you're giving back to the community and giving them good information, you know, it's certainly something that helps build your profile. So I think, you know, doing courses is is great. The only downside to doing courses is the amount of time that it does take up. It's a lot of hard work. I think a lot of people think I could knock out a course in a day. Um, yeah. Courses that I gave away were made over months and months and months of constant filming, putting stuff together, changing it, um, and it's it's a lot of hard work, but it can be fairly lucrative as well, um, and it's a good lead magnet to, to get people to sign up, so you can do deals like Black Friday, come in and get it for this price, or, you know, I'm giving it away to three lucky people this month you know so you can also use it as a lead magnet to build your mailing list and build your social media and all that stuff so i think you know doing a course is a great step in the right direction uh in terms of building your business brand and your personal brand and all that stuff so i certainly wouldn't uh not do it um yeah. you know, as i say it's it's a hard slog and sometimes you're just like is that three or four months of recording yeah, going to pay off, and it does. It does pay itself, you know. I think what I would say to anyone is, I sold a lot of courses in the last couple of Black Fridays, um, and I literally sat there all day refreshing my PayPal. Could not believe the amounts of money that was rolling in. That's um, awesome. So you don't even have to charge high for your course if you go in low, um, and you do. You know, pe people won't snuff at buying something for two hundred bucks. When you start trying to charge five hundred or a thousand pounds, people have to think about it. Potentially have to save up for it. If it's like one nine seven, they'll just fucking buy it there and then and say if it's shit, it's shit. It doesn't really matter. Um, mm -hmm. So <clears throat> I think you have to get the pricing point right as well. So 
But yeah, I think that would be good for getting yourself out there more. Um, obviously, your early days into building your agency, 18 months is uh, rookie. <laughs> you're, you're still yeah. a rookie. Um, yeah. But that'll be interesting to see how that grows and, and how you grow as well. Um, and hopefully, I think, you know, doing networking and going to events um, conferences and stuff is another great way to meet up with other people, also get yourself development, but also meet all these contacts and stuff as well. So, um, yeah, I think you should have a look at that. Yeah, for sure. What is Was that your sort of primary growth strategy early on? Um, not really. Um, I've done it the reverse. So I was the guy that had an agency that didn't want to talk to anyone. Um, mm. And then... A guy that was the face of my company left and wanted to set up himself. So all of the clients had no idea who I was. And I thought to myself, fuck, you're in a pretty dangerous position. No one knows who you are. You could be the best SEO in the world, but no one knows who you are. So why would they, why would they continue to pay you? Yeah. Um, for that reason alone, I decided to say, fuck this, I'm going to make sure people know who I am um, and rebranded and, and became the face of it. So um, I was kind of pushed, but glad I did. It's a new experience and, uh, yeah, you get to meet loads of new people and stuff as well. So it's all good. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm sort of doing that in, re in reverse, trying to get the name out there as, and, and try to connect with as many uh, people in the industry as I can doing stuff like this. I think if I had my time, if I could put the clock back, I would certainly do it your way than, than the way I've done it, for sure. Um, it's definitely the right thing to do is put your face out there um, and get a lot more of the work that's out there. Um, but sadly, we are out of time, Richard. Um, yeah. We could talk all day, no doubt, about SEO, and we can maybe get you back on in future to talk about a few other bits and bobs. Um, but for anyone who likes what you've got to say, where is the best place to find you? Is it your Acer Inbound website? Is it you know your social media? Where's the best place to get a hold of you? Uh, probably the website or, or LinkedIn. So acerinbound.com or you can message me on LinkedIn and uh, we can have a conversation. Cool. No worries. Well, when this goes live, the links to Richard's LinkedIn and his website will be below there. But thank you very much, Richard, for taking the time to come on and telling us a bit about your story and what you do. It has been a pleasure. Pleasure's been all mine. Cheers, man. Cheers.